Welcome to Employee to Lawyer, the employment law podcast presented by NILA Illinois, the podcast that discusses the policies, regulations, and laws that affect our workplaces, presented primarily from the perspective of employee or plaintiff-side lawyers. We are your hosts, Ahmed Bindra and Max Barrett. We are members of the Board of Directors of NILA Illinois, the Illinois chapter of the National Employment Lawyers Association, a nonprofit collection of attorneys who empower workplace rights. And welcome back to Employee to Lawyer, the employment law podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Max Barrick. And I'm Amit Bindra. And we are lucky today to be speaking again with Chiquita Hall-Jackson of Hall-Jackson and Associates PC. And as of January, I'm not sure, but as of the beginning of this year, (laughs) uh, is the current president of NILA, Illinois. We originally recorded this episode last spring, but for audio internet reasons, it just didn't make it. So it's a good excuse to try it again. Now that Chiquita is our president, we encourage you to check out one of our first few episodes when we spoke to Chiquita, when we talked about her really impressive career path and how she got to where she is right now. Chiquita, welcome back. Thank you guys for having me. So first, a hearty congratulations on being our new esteemed board president. Tell us what you're excited about and why this is uh, why this is really meaningful to you. Well, thank you for the congratulations. I am very much excited, as you know, because we sat on the board, the three of us, for some time. And within that, for the longest, I was on the African-American on the board. I did talk to founding members or those who came shortly thereafter and been involved with NILA since the late 80s or early 90s. And my understanding is that for years, they had a vision of getting more people of color sitting at the table, whether that's African-Americans, Indian, any background, because these were the individuals that they was representing in court, in depositions, and just in the litigation arena period for employment law. And they found it strange that once again, you look to the left, you look to the right, and there's no representation for these individuals. So that alone is my number one excitement or purpose for my excitement is because we're now not only am I one of two African-Americans that sit on the board, but we also have now a more diverse board where we can tap in. We have some, I'm not going to go into everything, all the races, because I don't want to miss anybody, but we have a diverse board. And if you go to neilillinois.org, you will definitely see our board of directors and you can get a, a visual of what that looks like. And I'm happy to see that that happened under the my presidency where we got people over the age of 40, which, you know, every blue moon, you might have one or two or someone who recently turned 40, but you have more of someone's over 50. And so we now have a great portion of those protected class that you will see on an EEOC form or an Illinois Department the human rights form where you get to check that off. And now you can turn around and see some lawyers that look like that, not only on the board, but in our daily representation. Outside of that, I'm excited just to work alongside you all. <laughs> yeah, we talked about this a little bit on your last episode about how your firm specifically tries to encapsulate what the general public looks like. I mean, we're doing discrimination law and what you don't want is law firms, boards, that are just the same demographic. So it's cool that we finally are able to put you in this situation and you can be the leader of an organization that's focused on fighting anti-discrimination. Yes. Tell us too how this is meaningful to you in the context of February being Black History Month, you being appointed as the first Black president of NILA, Illinois. I know it was a couple of weeks earlier, but just a symbolism of what that means to you as well. 
Most definitely. Of course, we, I think it was effective 1-1, just to be clear. But, you know, our first meeting was like the third week of January when I officially felt it and actually was able to execute my powers. But with that, um, having this conversation in the top of February, as Max said, it is early February here. And as I go throughout my timeline, we have so many people who just decided to be celebrated during this month. You're going to Target. You're going to Bath and Body Works. Everyone is now celebrating Black history. And I, I, I credit the George Floyd movement for a lot of that. Of course, we've been celebrated every February for years since I was born and beyond. And so, but for some reason, it's kind of like America's finally getting it, at least some people who choose to do so. And so with that, I am excited that this is going to be released during this month, along with other people in my circle or family that's doing great things this month that's going to be publicized on social media or whatever the outlet that may want to entertain it. So I think this is very powerful. And again, I'm happy for not only Neela Illinois to know about this, but for Neela Nationals and all our affiliates. I think that's really great. And I think, yeah, no, I just think it's really special and it's cool to be part of a board um, that is diverse and that is making such steps. And I don't know, kind of makes Amit and I as your vice presidents a part of history then in in that way, Neela history. (laughs) Yes, sir. And so, yeah, I'm not sure if it's out there, but yeah, I, I was I am the first Black. I think Max mentioned it. If not, I am the first Black. And again, this is something that our founder, who um, one of our founders I know who's no longer with us, would actually be um, memorializing him next month. I'm pretty sure he would have loved to see this day. And so for that, I want to lead greatness and do some great things. We're we're really excited for what you got. So that's a good segue into what other initiatives we've got on tap for Neela in Illinois this year and in the future. Um, Can you talk about anything that's on the horizon that you're excited about? Sure. So ultimately, like I said, my number one is to promote the diversity within the board. But, you know, not only have us sit as a diverse board, but have everyone on that board feel inclusive. And what that simply means is everyone feel that they can bring their own authentic self to the table and actually offer some ideas based on their experiences and not what your person to the left or right experience. And you're just a, a person there nodding at the table, but someone who's actually contributing to the goals and success of NILA based on your background and your protected classes. Outside of that, being more involved with NILA National by allowing not only myself, but several board members and members across the board to now have speaking opportunities and other ways that you can be involved in NILA National so that you can now build your resume and also just become more visible as an employment law attorney across the board. And I think the next main thing it is to get our name and get our purpose and mission out there in front of law students. Because as law students, we know that there's different practice areas, but what does that entail? I want to go into labor and employment. I want to go into entertainment law, but people don't understand that there's different umbrellas under each one of those practice areas. So if I'm a law student, more than likely especially in Chicago and in Illinois across the board, because we have unionized in Illinois, you're going to more than likely get a defense firm in front of you, some labor union in front of you before you get any plaintiff's attorney in front of you. So I would like for us to make it known that employment 
plaintiff friendly attorneys are out there. These are jobs that are available to you. And these are things that your mission and your purpose in life may align with. And of course, just get exposure so that those students know that we are out here. Um, <laughs> we have, you know, opportunities for you just as much as the defense bar does. I think that's, you know, the top three that I'm definitely interested in doing. Well, and you, you mentioned reaching out to law students. So I think that that's a good, we can mention, I know folks on the, actually in Neela's bar may have seen on the listserv, but we are, I know one of the initiatives that's ongoing right now to that end is working with mentoring programs with law students, right? So that we can help, help, I guess, involve those students in employment law, show them what options are out there on the plaintiff side and get them connected and possibly trained with plaintiff's firms. That's exactly on the agenda. And actually recently, probably as last week or the week before, our board law student, Laura, did send out that. So if you guys listening and you receive that email, please respond if you're interested in being a mentor. This is an opportunity to help Neela overall to continue our mission. Because as, as we continue to have law students graduating and becoming attorneys, they are looking for employment opportunities. And as we all know, as much as we probably hate this, it's all about who you know. And a, a good introduction based off a good mentor relationship where well, I can feel like, okay, I mentored this person. They're credible. I'm credible to tell you about this person's background and education and what their work ethic looked like. That's an opportunity for, you know, a law student to possibly get to the next level that they might not have without that mentor relationship. So yeah, we're very much excited about that initiative. So I think that's another good segue one of the one of the major contributions you've made to our board before becoming president was as co-chairing the legislative committee and and some of the leadership you showed there. Now, one of the things, again, I think we tried to cover this in your second episode first time around, right when it was more timely, but unfortunately there were some audio internet issues. But one of the things you did last year was you testified in front of the Illinois Department of Labor, right? Over the joint employer rule. I know it's been a bit now. I know it's been a little bit now, but maybe you could give us a little... Uh, little update on what that was like and just sort of talk about that experience. So yes, I did. I want to say that was in 2020. It could have been late 2019. I really can't recall. I can't um, either. However, <laughs> working directly with the Illinois Department of Labor, the young man um, who is now the director over there, we did resubmit the paperwork. So as much as the the lobbying and discussions and all that stuff took place a while ago, they're still pushing for it. So it has not passed at this point. However, the ultimate goal is to, it's more focused on domestic work. And that was more so pushed for the, from the Shriver Center and a few other non-for-profits that are plaintiff friendly and worker friendly. But the good part was by them allowing Neela and a few others to get involved, we was able to advocate not only for the domestic workers, but for those who serve, uh, I talked about a guy who I had as a client a while ago, probably one of my first three employment law cases where he worked for an elevator company. However, he came in under a minority elevator company and he worked for the major elevator company. And the biggest hurdle on motion for summary judgment and at the trial was simply trying to prove who was deemed his employer, who had the right to discipline him, aka who had the right to terminate him. And so who should be punished or penalized for the action that they did if there was to be any retaliation or discrimination to be found. And the crazy part is there was some obvious discrimination and obvious retaliation. However, the judge held position was 
Attorney Jackson, how do you want me to believe that an African-American discriminated against another African-American in the workplace? Because essentially the African-American owner was the minority owner, but he pretty much signed off on the contracts and let the major company do all the work and dictate his workers day to day. And so within that, that is another push out in Illinois. I'm actually um, hoping to get accomplished and get people to see that just because we are the same protected class, which although, you know, it is a hard hurdle to come, that sometimes we can be our own worst enemies. And so just because you have that same fact that there doesn't excuse your action just because we share the same protected class. So it's something within that, but long story short, with this particular ad that we're trying to push is pretty much getting that clarification there, as I just described, who would be deemed the worker? And as far as domestic workers, for example, a housekeeper or babysitter who she's on the north side of Chicago and it's, a, you know, three good girlfriends who all share this same domestic housekeeper, but she's only with me for four hours on Tuesday, maybe four hours with you on Wednesday. And when we don't pay, who should be deemed responsible for that? And so just clarification in legislative um, history and in the records to show how the court should apply um, such rulings when it comes to things like this. And my overall experience, again, was very much great. It was an opportunity to uh, speak on behalf of the clients that we represent every day. So I really enjoyed it. And I was able to work alongside some great organizations that has been around in Chicago for years doing workers-friendly work. So thank you for sharing that. So then I guess to turn it one more time to some some work you did, maybe I guess in the same vein, when you were in college, you also did a little bit of lobbying as well, didn't you? That's correct. I was a part of a program called Student Support Services, and within that, they had an umbrella called TRIO, and we were invited to go um, to Washington, D.C., and I think we did like a Thursday through Monday type thing. And within that, the ultimate goal was to go meet with the different senators and House representatives that was available and willing to speak to us to try to keep the funding going for TRIO, which is essentially for first generation um, college students, those of minorities who don't have the support system of someone who parents, you know, have history with a particular university. And the ultimate goal is to fund them. That was the mission of going out there to speak to these individuals, to co convince them that the funding shouldn't be stripped, but continued and have some um, students to give actual live testimony on how the organization benefited them. And at that time, I think I was like a third or second time recipient of a scholarship. So just, you know, not only does your scholarship help, but the idea that I have this supportive counselor talk to me when someone in my family might not understand the situation because they might not be related to the idea of what a college life looked like, and especially living on campus away from your family. So we talked about all that, and essentially, as of today, 
trio organization still around across the country in different um, universities and colleges. So it was successful. I'm pretty sure it's something that comes up every chance you can to get on a chopping block um, when it comes to funding. However, it looks like not only that opportunity, but future opportunities to go down and talk to these individuals who have the authority to take it or give um, actually was effective. So was there anything you were able to take away from that experience that you've used in your practice that just sort of has taught you about how to approach lobbying or just advocacy in general? Anything along those lines? I think if nothing else, it burned a passion to get out there as much as we all as attorneys, and I'm pretty sure you guys had the same vision as kids. If you knew at one point you wanted to be an attorney, the goal is to get in front of the court and argue and, you know, beat your opposing counsel and make sure you prove your client's innocence or, you know, liability or not. And within that, that's one thing. But when I went to do that, I had this vision like, okay, especially when you got, I, I interned at criminal courts at one point. And within that, a lot of judges, they just shake their head because as much as I resonate with this kid in front of me, this 40 year old, 60 year old man who's addicted to drugs, I have to go by this statute. And unfortunately, if it was up to me, I might can be a little bit lenient on the sentence, but unfortunately, I'm stuck to what this statute says. And unfortunately, this is your fourth violation. This is your first violation. And I'm stuck to consider 18 years to 36 or 18 to 26 years. There's nothing less I could possibly give you. And so I felt there was a need to not only be an advocate in the courtroom, but we need to help draft legislation based on experiences that we have with our workers and things that we are passionate about so that we can help enforce those one day, whether we're sitting on a bench or whether we're um, standing there trying to advocate via motion for summary judgment, a motion to dismiss, or just the motion period to try to get our clients the justice that they desire. Yeah, we have these conversations a lot with people along the lines of, you know, sometimes the judicial system is not going to be the best route because you have to change the laws first. And so that's correct. You were instrumental too in creating the legislative wing of NILA Illinois and helping us do a lot of these legislative actions. It's really cool to see that your college experience um, influenced that. And uh, the other thing I've kind of just realized in this conversation too is you have previously, uh, not previously, you are doing a lot of work to support the community and support kids in school. And it seems like that's probably also tied to some of the work you were doing in college. Tell us a little bit about kind of the community service work that you do. Cool. I mean, exactly. That, I think all of that just drives a passion, right? As a, a college student, as a kid, you know, you just want support. And it's so funny. We get, you know, your little cousin, it depends on how old you is, your kid, your son, act out. It all goes down attention, right? They just want some kind of attention and support. They want to know that someone cares for them. We all, as parents, we get busy with our personal goals, our daily tasks of, I have to make money to take care of you, put a roof over your head, put food on the table. However, we forget that our babies just want some attention. They want someone to um, be in their corner and demonstrate that, not only just vocalizing it, but actually demonstrating that. And so with that, I do understand, especially prior to me having my baby, that parents are um, in a bind when it comes to this because I am trying to provide and it's at, everyone's don't have the leisure to own their own firm 
or own their own company. And so they're at the mercy of their supervisors and anyone else that dictates their day to day. And so with that, if we could do anything to assist by making our babies feel appreciated, loved and supported, I definitely want to be involved in that. And so that includes, we started an organization called Whatever It Takes Scholars here in Illinois. And with that, we had a broader initial mission at first, but we recently narrowed that down to focus on the community interacting with police and feeling like they can actually uh, trust the police and look to them to be heroes again, especially our babies. They, you know, they shouldn't have this vision as young as five years old that I cannot trust an officer. Those are the ages where you feel like that's officer friendly. I want to be an officer. That's my dream job one day. And so we want to get that back with the kids to be excited, not only the kids, but their parents to respect officers and the law across the board and, and respecting the courts. When you go in that courtroom etiquette, that's a part of our mission as well. We teach courtroom etiquette you shouldn't be going in the courtroom dressed a certain way because why you have whether you're the parent they're supporting the aunt, well, whoever you are or the person that's standing before the judge you regardless of how neutral you want our judges to be they're human they're judges and so <laughs> naturally they're judging you and so before you even open your mouth or before that prosecutor can even communicate what you did wrong you just gave an image based on your appearance. And so with that, we definitely teach courtroom etiquette, go out and give the kids a back to school bash where they get it pumped and excited, music, food, limited supplies, whatever we could think of, vaccinations and things like that so that they can be excited for school because they are coming from a summer. Sometimes in Chicago is not the best. You know, we, we hear the summer rates, if you listen to the news, where the gun violence in their communities are kind of high. And so with that, you know, we just want the babies to get excited. We're going back to school. I'm finally going back around my friends. I'm getting a new outfit. I'm getting new hairstyles. I'm getting new book bags. So yeah, that's definitely a part of it. And there's so much more we do. We work with Angel Tree in the winter. For every Christmas, we want to make sure prisoners' kids get gifts so that they do not feel left out because one of their parents are incarcerated. So through my church, First Baptist of University Park, we make sure we participate in Angel Tree. Uh, and we're doing it for like the last three to four years where we make sure um, the children get their Christmas and our members and our family and friends, they show out every year where the kids are not only getting one gift, they're getting multiple gifts. So it's exciting. It's very exciting to give back and do things in the community. And lastly, we try to work with first responders and give them a discount if they utilize our services for real estate. And also with the first responders, we tried to, during the pandemic, try to go out and feed a few of them, you know, give them a free meal. You know, they probably make more money than me, essentially. But however, I just wanted to show that they were appreciated. And so with that, me and my team went out and fed a, you know, we each picked the organization or a hospital we wanted to support, and we did that. And that was a fun and exciting time as well. That sounds like a really wonderful organization. If people want to contribute to that group or participate or volunteer, how would they go about finding the organization and doing that? Sure, no problem. (laughs) It's with scholars.org. You can always reach out to me as well. 
And then we're getting towards the end. So anything you'd like to plug coming up for yourself or for Neela, Illinois that, that Merritt's mentioned? Yes, Neela, Illinois, we are finally back in the flow of things and we are doing our seven circuit conference this year. It will be broken down into two parts. The first one will be April 29th. The second will be November 11th. And so we ask that you block your calendars, more details to come. And if there's any particular topics you would love to hear about, please email the board through the listserv, or you can personally email me. I think I communicated on the listserv enough where you guys can find me. If not, once again, you can always go to neelaillinois.org and you can actually find your board of directors and you will see me. And within that, you click on my link, email, phone number, all that is there. Before we let you go, we do have to do our shout out of the week. So you did this before. It could be just anything positive you want to shout out. So who is your shout out for this week? I want to shout out my little cousin, Aria. Aria Butts is her name. She's a gymnast with Flying High. She just placed first last night and she's going wow. to the States. So uh, speaking a, so of Black history... Black girl magic, you know, I, I'm very proud of her. She's she's a teenager, preteen. She's probably like 12 or 13, and she's going to the States to compete as a gymnast. That's very exciting. That's awesome. Go Aria. That's really yes. exciting. Chiquita, thank you for coming on and sharing a Sunday morning with Amit and I and our guests, telling us more of your story. And we're really excited for what you're going to bring to the table as our as our president and all that that means at this point. So thank you again for coming on and talking to us and uh, to everybody at home for listening. Thank you, guys. Enjoy your week. Please subscribe and share. Our podcast is intended to provide general overviews of employment law. The statements and opinions provided in this podcast are just that, the host's opinion. We are not your attorney. This podcast does not create an attorney-client relationship, and it's not intended to provide specific legal advice. For legal questions, please consult with an attorney.